Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, January 21st, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing, Adioye Jr. And joining me, of course, we got Imran, the Don Con. Imran, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm yeah. feeling like Imran the Doom Con today. Imran the Doom Con. Oh, because we just recorded a first impressions of Doom Eternal, which you can check out on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games or podcast services around the globe. If you go to the Gamescast feed, isn't that right, Barry? It's on the Gamescast feed. If they want to listen to the first impressions as opposed to watching it, bro, uh, I don't know. But I would highly <laughs> sure. recommend. I would highly recommend watching it because it's fun to watch with the gameplay footage. Uh, Imran, you feeling good today? Feeling great. How about you? I'm distraught, Why? Imran. I'm feeling bad, Bar- Barrett. I'm gonna need the one. I'm gonna need the one because I have some feelings to get out. Okay. On what this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily, what grinds your gears? Now here's the thing. I've been seeing your comments. I've been seeing your posts on Twitter. I've been seeing your Reddit posts, and I understand, all right? I'm tired of it, too, and I know it's my fault. Ever since I joined Kind of Funny Games, a lot of games have been getting delayed. How dare you? (laughs) And I'm not saying that, uh, whatchamacallit, causation is correlation. Is that the phrase? Yeah. Or no, correlation is cause? Correlation does not mean causation. Yes, that. I'm not saying whatever Imran just just said (laughs) in his microphone, right? But we all know, we, we all see the signs here. Right, it's been a week of me hosting kind of funny games daily. It's been a week of delay after delay after delay after delay. It was really yes. funny, like looking at the thumbnail. I was just like, "This game's delayed. Yeah. This game's it's delayed." It's just like a thumbnail, and then you click in, and it's just me, me as host, and it's just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, Iron Man VR, Cyberpunk 2077, all the other games got delayed. Marvel's Avengers, but listen, I gotta talk to the director, not to the directors, to the publishers and developers directly. All right, here's the thing. Delays, they're tough. I get it, man. Video games are hard to make. A delay, best case scenario because the game ends up coming out better. But hear me out. Let's just not announce dates. <laughs> let's, just, let's just keep the dates to the chest. That's all I'm saying, Barrett. Is that fine, Barrett? I mean, that's what WB Montreal has been doing for the last five years. Exactly. So. <laughs> and that's hurt nobody. <laughs> Even more. Technically seven years. Jesus. Fuck. You can, uh, you can, you can, we can go back to the two. Thank you, Barrett. Yeah. I appreciate that. No more dates. No Game more dates. Come out. That used to be the way it was, actually, like back in the mid-80s, because mm. from a video game historian art perspective, it's very difficult to tell when certain games came out, because yeah. they would like soft launch in some markets and then not come out in others. So like the actual date of, say, Mario Brothers is still kind of contested. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish we can, I wish we can go, go back to a time where every single video game release was a Beyonce release, <laughs> where all of a sudden we're just chilling, we're just doing nothing. All of a sudden, Animal Crossing New Leaf 2 comes out. And we're like, wait, what? Where'd this come from? I mean, that's just because we were dumb kids and we weren't paying attention to shit. But I, I wish that would happen again, Barry. I it, wish that would you happen. You wish right we were now. dumb kids again? Exactly. It kind of happens these days, just with smaller games. But yeah. like, I mean, that was, what, that was Apex Legends. Yeah. Right? And that worked out so well for him. I mean, like, if you think about last year, by this time last year, we didn't know Mario Maker 2 existed. And then by June, it was already out. True. 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 And I miss. I, I really loved what uh, Bethesda did for Fallout 4, where it was like, E3, we're announcing it, fall, it's out. Yeah. It's a very easy thing. And I know it's not, I know it's, it's definitely not easy for, no, yeah. for, for companies to do that. But There have definitely been like people who have said, what if the video game industry moved to a product completion and then marketing cycle? Mm. And like, there are definitely benefits to that. It would probably stop some of these things happening. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know how much of a reality it is for yeah, for the way the like game industry you, is structured. Currently. If you propose that to investors, they'd be like, "How be much like, time are you wasting?" Yeah, they're like, "Wait, what? No. Why aren't you marketing concurrently? Like, what's going on?" Exactly. But today we're not talking about delays. Thankfully, uh, today's stories include Ubisoft Splinter Cell news, Godfall leaks, and more. Because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live, right here on Twitch.tv/slash Kind of Funny Games. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com/slash You're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Games, or listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show head to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free now it's time for some housekeeping new merch drops today which i'm wearing so the Whoa! ps i love you xoxo sweatshirt which uh, barry put up on the screen we get a second uh if you look at me if you're watching the video version of course i'm wearing it and of course i look great 
Look look at all these colors. Yeah. Everyone was talking about how fucking amazing that PS I Love You like graphic treatment is. Yes. Now you can wear it. Now you can wear it. You can have it on you. You know? If you're feeling risky, tattoo it on your chest. Whoa. <laughs> you know? Get risky, guys. Get risky, guys. Yeah, but first buy the shirt so the tattoo artist knows what to do, and then tattoo it on your chest. Of course, that's available on kindoffunny.com slash store. Also, another thing for housekeeping, I was on the Top 100 Games podcast hosted by friend of the show, Jared Petty. Did he die? wasted opportunity, Rest blessing. in peace. Rest in peace. Barrett doesn't like the choice I made for the, I think, 88 game of all time. Yeah. What was your choice? Uh, my choice was Burnout 3 Takedown. A game that yeah, I feel I like see it. if I I feel like if I didn't come through and bring that game, nobody would have mentioned it. And that game is for sure a top one hundred game of all time in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And so Burnout Three Takedown, boom, best Burnout game. Even though Paradise is great, even though Revenge is great, Burnout Three Takedown is where it's at. Of course, thank you to our Patreon producers, Blackjack and Muhammad Muhammad. Today we're brought to you by Manscaped, Riot Games, and Ray. But I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. <laughs> it's time for some news. We have four stories today. Starting with the Splinter Cell creative director rejoining Ubisoft. This is reported by Andy Robinson of Video Games Chronicle. Former Splinter Cell creative director Maxime Blonde will rejoin Ubisoft after less than a year at Fortnite developer Epic Games. VGC understands. The creative director will return to become part of the company's reorganized editorial team, which has has been expanded and restructured, partly in an attempt to make its games line up more varied. Blonde, uh, I think that's pronounced Blonde. I'm just making up that pronunci- pronunciation. French. Fine. Blonde spent over 20 years at Ubisoft working across its biggest franchise before his his departure in 2019. He is best known for his work as lead designer and creative director for 2006's Rainbow Six Vegas before becoming game design director for the original Assassin's Creed. Blonde was creative director for two Splinter Cell titles, 2010's Conviction and 2012's Blacklist, the latter of which was the first game by Ubisoft Toronto the studio he he co-founded. Balan was also the creative director of the Toronto-made portions of Far Cry 4, Far Cry 5, and Far Cry Primal, including 4's Shangri-La sections. In his new role, Blonde will act as a new vice president for Ubisoft's influential editorial team, helping guide various games across the company. The restructuring of Ubisoft's editorial team follows the disappointing sales performance uh, of 2019 titles, The Division 2 and Ghost Recon Breakpoint, which resulted in the delay of several games to ensure quality, including Watch Dogs Legion. Commenting on the delays, Ubisoft said it would imp- implement significant changes to its production processes across the company. Imran, what is your take on this? So Ubisoft's in a weird position right now because like, usually their whole thing was they're going to fill the calendar with their games and generally they do pretty well. Like, Ghost Recon, Breakpoint aside, has always sold extremely well. So it's interesting that they're, they've are they hired Balan back, and they're trying to, I guess, get him involved on something. Mm-hmm. That does not necessarily mean it's Splinter Cell. Yeah, that's my thing, because I, like, I feel like this story, or at least like the titling of it, kind of points at a new Splinter Cell. And reports I've been seeing that also kind of talk about this have been pointing to the idea of like, oh yeah, they could be working on a new Splinter Cell. But also he worked on several Far yeah, Cries. Yeah, but he worked on a lot of Ubisoft games. Like several Far Cries, and uh, the first Assassin's Creed, Rainbow Six Vegas. Like there's a lot of maneuverability. And he's working on the editorial team, which I don't believe is responsible for uh, developing like a sole game, right? Their whole thing is they are helping guide Ubisoft and uh, making sure that their, their games are on track with each other. Yeah, I don't think he joined... Ubisoft to be like, all right, I have a great idea for what Sam Fisher does next. I yeah. think he has a better, a bigger vision for the company as a whole. Yeah, like lining up, like, okay, how does how does the Division 3 line up with the next Rainbow Six game, which lines up with Assassin's Creed, and how do these games have their own voices? Yeah, which is also part of the problem Ubisoft's been having. Exactly, right? That's a complaint that I've had with Ubisoft for a while, because I feel like at a certain point, I feel like a lot of people have had this complaint, right, that like at a certain point their games become formulaic, Right, open worlds with towers that you climb to unlock the map, and you are checking off lists as far as quests and missions you do in the open world. Like, mm-hmm. there's a certain structure to a lot of Ubisoft games, and a lot of people are into that. But at a certain point, it can become tiring and make their games seem like carbon copies of each other, mm-hmm. right? Which is what they've been talking about with this editorial team, and like what they talk, what they've been seeing as far as the sales of Division Two and Ghost Recon Breakpoint. And so going forward, they want to change that, which I think is a great, great, great vision for what the future of Ubisoft is. And bring on people that are fami- familiar with 
Ubisoft's structure already and familiar with how Ubisoft kind of works as a company in order to kind of guide that and lead that, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's going to be good for the company. I mean, like, what was it? Last year, Yves Gimo said, oh God, I'm trying to remember the quote in my head. It's like, we're not going to do new Splinter Cell because we don't have a good idea for one yet. Yeah. And I think they're still probably in that same boat of how do we change Splinter Cell? But I, do you think if they release a new Splinter Cell tomorrow and it's exactly like the same last couple of games they've made, mm-hmm. just modern graphics, modern technology, that it's going to be any... Like, it will still be a massive success, or...? Uh, I mean, I don't think it'll be a mass... If they did Splinter Cell, I don't know if it'll be a massive success in terms of, like, sales. Like, I'm sure the other Ubisoft games that at this point are bigger names, so you look at Assassin's Creed, their multiplayer games, right? So Ghost Recon, Rainbow Six... Beyond uh, Good and Evil is still kicking around there somewhere. Beyond Good and Evil 2 is, is, is somewhere in there, which I don't... I'm sure Beyond Good and Evil 2 is going to sell well because that seems like it's going to be a massive project. Right. But in comparison to those, I don't know if, if Splinter Cell sales, like... It'll do a few com- million. It's yeah. Just a, like, like, it'll do it'll do good, but yeah. it won't necessarily be... I don't think it would be a Ubisoft hit in that way, but I think critically, like, it could be good, and I think it'll be received well as far as audiences. Like, people are fans of Splinter Cell. Uh, I know my friend Alex Van Aken freaking loves Splinter Cell along with my friend Roger Corny. Like, I have friends that are absolute like diehard Splinter Cell fans mm-hmm. uh, in ways that like I think even go beyond what diehard fans exist for other Ubisoft franchises. And so like I think I think them making a new Splinter Cell would go over well in that sense, but I don't think it necessarily is a like sales-wise is going to do what other Ubisoft titles do. Yeah, it's one of the I think the delay ton, whatever they want to call that delay Mageddon for all the Ubisoft games getting pushed out beyond having a date, period. Mm-hmm. I think that has made them more scared to take a risk right now. Yes. So I th- a lot of people are going to think, like, well, Splinter Cell's not a risk because you've had so many quality games already. Mm-hmm. But to them, like, if you put that kind of budget, the budget people expect behind a Splinter Cell game, yeah. behind a game that only sells a couple of million copies, it's going... The definition of a risk for them. Yeah, it's the di- it's different from a UBR title, for example, where you look at something like, um, what was the World War One 2D game? Valiant Hearts. Valiant Hearts yeah, yeah, look at something like Valiant Hearts, and was Child of Light, was that Ubisoft or was yeah, that EA? That was, that was Ch- U- uh, Ubisoft. Ubisoft, well. right? So you look at the UBR games, and you're like, okay, well, these games obviously don't sell as much as as Assassin's Creed or even probably like they wouldn't sell as much as a Splinter Cell would but there's a lot less budget involved right and though like the vision for those titles is different in 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 scope and what they're they're out there to do compared to something like Splinter Cell right Right. like Splinter Cell would need budget if you want a Splinter Cell game to do well it's kind of caught between that really awkward area of this is sort of like an indie-ish budget and they're massive AAA games Mm -hmm. so it's they need like they People who want a Splinter Cell game want the same budget as their massive uh, AAA games. Yes. But they don't want to do that right now because of all these other reasons. Now, how do you feel about this compared to Beyond Good and Evil 2, which is a game that I feel like doesn't have as much... Which is a game is a very loaded thing for yeah. Beyond, like, well, Beyond, Beyond Good and Evil as a franchise, right? I don't feel like Beyond Good and Evil has the name recognition that Splinter Cell does. It was also announced at a really weird time where Ubisoft was fighting off a, an acquisition yeah. from a Vendee. Yeah, yeah. And so, but like, I feel like them putting the amount of time and budget into Beyond Good and Evil 2 seemingly as they are. I don't know what the fuck's a, up with that game, yeah, honestly. It's, like, an inter- it's such an interesting decision, especially in the context of this conversation where it's almost like, why not do a Splinter Cell? If you're doing Beyond Good and Evil 2. <laughs> because you're already doing a Beyond Good and Evil 2 is the, the answer to that question. I mean, question. fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Anakin JMT writes in and says, Good morning, Blessing and Imran. With the news that Maxime Balland return, uh, is returning to Ubisoft, my question is simple. Assuming a new Splinter Cell game is coming, which was rumored, rumored back in 2018, should development of it be restarted in light of Ubisoft wanting to make their games feel more different, or should they plow ahead and risk the risk the game feeling like other Ubisoft games. The last two have felt different from other Ubisoft titles, but I worry any new game that has been worked on would feel like other titles. What say you, Blessing and Imran? So there's a lot going on in this question, Mm -hmm. right? But at the core of it is games that Ubisoft have already been working on. Do they restart it with this new idea? Do they restart them with this new idea in mind? Or do they they plow on? Or how does that work? Like, so... Like, let's say, hypothetically, Assassin's Creed Ragnarok. Yes. Like, would they restart it with new idea, like a fresh look at it? Yes. I, 
it would probably unless it's something that could be added, you know, somewhere deep. In, like, like Breath of the Wild is a good example. At some point in Breath of the Wild's development, they discovered, or they had a new breakthrough with physics. They're like, you know, we could make this a very systems-heavy game, mm-hmm. and that ended up being what the game actually was. So they had to delay it like two years. Yeah. If it's that kind of foundational change, then I think, yeah, let's like let's take the as a consumer. I'm saying let's take the risk. Yeah. I think every investor would be like, no, because mm-hmm. right now like, this is the first beginning of the year and like first quarter in a long time that hasn't you, had a Ubisoft game. Yeah, there's nothing major. Like what was it last year? It was Far Cry? Yeah, Far Cry. Before, that was New Dawn. Far Cry again. Far Cry Five. Yeah. Like it's they've got nothing right now, and it was supposed to be Watch Dogs, supposed to be Gods and Monsters, yeah. and now it's not. Like those are somewhere further in the ether. Yeah. I feel like, say they're two years into making an Assassin's Creed or two years into making a Splinter Cell or whatever the theoretical game might be here, right? I think, one, I don't know how development works over at Ubisoft. Like, maybe, you know, two years in, is maybe that at that point you don't even start over. You just, you, you're, the game's That's not far a, along yeah. yet that you can just pivot where you are right now and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, implement those changes. I... Yeah, I think Ubisoft, as big of a moving moving ship that it is, it gets difficult to yeah. restart a game from scratch. Like, yeah, that does require, uh, that does involve investors, and that does involve people. Uh, you know, people at Ubisoft would be like, "All right, yeah, like let's throw away all this work that we've already done on this game because all of a sudden, like, you know, visions change for 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 whatever reason." Like, I think yeah. that becomes difficult to do. Uh, it's like multiple international teams at that point. Like, yeah. that was Assassin's Creed's problem for a long time. Was because there were teams that specialized in doing things as the Assassin's Creed tradition dictated. That that series struggled for a long time because they couldn't change anything because the ship was too big to move. Yes, and so I don't I don't see them uh, restarting games that have been in development for a couple years right yeah. if something maybe at, and even if, even if they are at the beginning of development i think that's that's just more so of a pivot than an actual like all right guys throw it all all, all out the window we are starting this assassin's creed from scratch like i don't i don't think that's necessarily how the that stu- that that would work yeah i think i think ubisoft realizes they need to diversify their portfolio a lot uh i don't think we're going to see that immediately yeah i think that's a maybe mid-next generation kind of feel now for the games that they delayed though so we look at <clears throat> you look at watchdogs legion you look at uh gods and monsters you look at i imagine ghost recon quarantine uh because i forget when they announced that was supposed to come out but i feel like it was rainbow supposed to be spring six quarantine. rainbow six yeah. quarantine yes i think that was spo- well, that was supposed to be this year it was one of the delayed titles for yeah sure. yeah what kind of changes at this point given the context of the editorial team and what they're doing, do you think those games get? Because those games, I imagine, are, you know, towards towards the end of their development. And I imagine they're coming out later this yeah. year still. Watch Dogs would have theoretically have gone gold in like a week or two, honestly. Yeah. And so what kind of changes late in the game do you think those games could possibly get? Like, do you think it's just polishing changes? Do you think it's maybe those games weren't necessarily in the place they sh- they they expected them to be or so it's a weird thing because like when they when eves came out was talking about ghost recon it wasn't clear that he knew it was actually wrong with it like he, he gave two different reasons of people thought it was too samey and also it changed too many things so like maybe they are not sure maybe the fan base is giving them conflicting messages mm. about why they didn't end up buying the game or didn't end up liking it or whatever so i don't know if, what they're what lessons they're taking from that into watchdogs uh, what do you call Watch Dogs Legion. Legion. Yeah. But at the same time, Watch Dogs 1 was actually a pretty unpolished game. It was fairly glitchy yeah. in a lot of places. So maybe they're looking like, okay, we've got another six months. Let's polish this to a spit shine. Like, yeah. Let's make sure that when this comes out alongside, oh God, now it's coming probably alongside Cyberpunk and Avengers and stuff like that. Yeah. Like that it has enough. It's more than just the concept. It is the concept and the execution put like uh, to 100%. Yeah. Taking that Pushing that lever to 11, basically. Yeah. This Ubisoft stuff is very interesting to me because I think it's going to possibly reflect on their whole feature as a company. Yeah. Like, as far as, like, what their what their output looks like in next gen. Like... Yeah. Now, they, that, they're not, now that they're free of Vivendi, like, free yeah. of that specter. Free of, yeah. What do they look like now? Exactly. Like, free of that kind of scary ghost hovering over them. And also, like, you know, seeing what I feel like a lot of consumers kind of saw... Uh, as far as like their games kind of being samey and all that stuff, right? Like, 
I, but again, they all sold super well up until yeah. this last year. And so, like, what changes do you make so that you're still selling, but also making stuff that is interesting for us to play? And I'm curious because they already did the thing where they they changed the structure, like the release structure of Assassin's Creed, to being from yearly to then being then they made it yearly again and then they stopped again. It's it, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I wonder, like, you know, it, and I also wonder, like, how how does Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Origins the sales of that compared to the yearly thing? Like, are they losing out on a year of sales now? Or like, mm-hmm. how does how does that look? And do th- does that then influence the rest of? Or does that influence their next gen strategy? Right. I'm very curious, but I, I, I'm very hopeful at the same time. Like I think that the, the restraint they're showing in terms of delaying everything and being like, hey, let's take a second and let, let let's regroup. I think is kind of admirable, and I'm and I, I think it'll only reflect well on the games. Yeah. Hopefully, like. I, w- I want to see Ubisoft do well because uh, Ubisoft has a lot of my favorite IPs and they ha- made, they've made a lot of my favorite games. So hopefully whatever soul searching they're doing in the woods right now, yeah. they're able to figure out exactly what it is they want to do and it brings them to you know market success because they've yeah. always, they've, they're not necessarily taking that for granted, but it seems like it catches them off guard of what sells and what doesn't. And this is the first point I've seen them go like, okay, yeah. well, nothing it, worked. It, catch- it catches me off guard too because I'm shocked that I remember in 2017 when Ghost Recon Wildlands released, and that was like the best-selling game of the year for yes. a minute. Up until Call yeah, of Duty. Up came until out. Call of Duty came out, and I remember the whole time being like, and like I, I think I was listening to KFTD, and they would talk about like the the sales, and it would always be at the top, and I'd be like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like Ghost Recon Wildlands, like not a bad game by any means, but not like the best. Like that game came out after Breath of the Wild and Horizon, which are of course exclusives, but also like I forget what else came out that year. But it was a big year for video games for mm-hmm. Ghost Recon Wildlands to be the one that was like shining. I was like, wait, really? This one? Um, I mean, I was working at a Best Buy when Division One came out. Mm-hmm. I remember like my manager saying, "Yeah, we're doing a midnight launch for it." I'm like, "What for the Division? Are yeah. we serious?" And that game ended up selling, do like doing fucking gangbusters. Yeah. and then like p- piggybacking off of that, right? To hear that last year, Division Two and Ghost Recon. Breakpoint didn't do what they wanted it to do. Blows my mind considering they were direct the, the sequels. Yeah, yeah, they're direct sequels. And in some ways, like in a lot of ways, Division Two is better. And yeah, like it's weird oh, yeah. that it just didn't catch on the same way. Yeah, and of course, like their reasoning for that was that like games came out too close to each other and, and, and all this stuff, which I yeah. guess is also influencing probably them delaying games. And also, also how many games as service games can you sell to people who are exactly. still like, enjoying the old one? Exactly. So it's a, it's an interesting whole ball of wax, but I'm excited to see uh, how uh, this acquisition. Uh, or I don't know this, if hiring? Know, this yeah. hiring. I don't know if you can acquire or acquire a person yet, but how uh, <laughs> how it'll affect their future. This change yeah. in Ubisoft yeah. structure kind of affects their future in general. I'd, I'm just saying, bring, bring back Tonic Trouble. Bring back what? Tonic Tr- Trouble. The guy who kind of looks like Rayman, but isn't really Rayman. It was an N64 game, and that Tonic game fucking Trouble. Yeah. ruled. That game was dope. It, See, you, you would recognize it if you saw it. It's that weird purple guy. Tonic. Nope, I don't recognize it. What? And this is weird because I consider myself like an N64 connoisseur. Yeah, an N64 connoisseur. It's a Rayman ripoff. Yes, by the creators of Rayman. <laughs> That's funny. I also want a new Rayman. I I don't I don't think it's gonna do gangbusters for them, but fuck it, just yeah. make a new Rayman. Yeah. Dude, I want to see them bring back UB art titles. Like I thought that was like a really cool thing, and I liked. It, yeah, it's I weird like, how they like gave up on that. Yeah, they just stopped all of a sudden. And I feel like Valiant Hearts and Shadow of Light were really well received. Mm. Yeah, and I think like I think Ubisoft does. That so thing better than EA does there's with their actually EA indie games. A thing about that where the director of Child of Light, he pitched Child of Light 2 and UB, I think, ended up canceling it or saying no or something like that. Because I think his quote was something like, if it's not going to sell 3 million copies, they don't want to do it. What? Really? Yeah. That's that's weird. <laughs> like That's weird. Yeah. Like, you don't do UB art titles to sell copies like i don't think that's why you start that program. i mean that's a, that's a thing like that is why ub seems kind of lost is they don't they need to diversify their portfolio and they don't really interesting yeah that's weird number two doom eternal preview impressions have dropped and i'm pulling the i'm pulling these quotes from various sources polygon says quote doom eternal is like evil dead 2 made on an avengers avengers sized budget GameSpot says, Doom Eternal's first three hours throw more at you than all of Doom 2016. GameRadar says, Doom Eternal is bigger, smarter, and bloodier than ever, ever before. And then IGN says, I went, I went into the article to pull th- this whole quote. Quote, it's going to take a lot to top the heavy metal masterpiece that was the single player campaign of Doom 2016, of 2016's Doom. 
But three hours of hands-on time with its follow-up would suggest that Doom Eternal is rocking the right kind of rifts. Its environments are more open and densely packed with secrets, its enemy types more nuanced in their strengths and weaknesses, and its reworked combat loop is more cerebral but no less adrenaline-charged, consistently taxing your brain while still encouraging you to bang your head. Imran, we just got done with the first impression stream yeah. of Doom Eternal. And in two sentences, how well, sum up your thoughts on Doom Eternal. Well, now I'm worried about saying the word cerebral because now I'm worried, like, did they say that at the thing? And that's why everyone... Oh, yeah, is, is everybody using the word cerebral? Like the way that every like, control review had the word brutalist in it? Yeah, or the way, like, every video game review in the early... From, like, 2005 to 2015 had the word visceral yeah. in it. Uh, my two-sentence preview of Doom Eternal is... God, I just I don't want to say just say that game rocks, but honestly, that's kind of how yeah. I feel. Of like, if you like Doom twenty sixteen, this is that game but better. Yeah, it's easy. I feel like it's so easy to see Doom and be like, oh yeah, this is a mindless shooter because to some extent, it it is, but at the same time, it is it is quote cerebral. Like you are you are thinking heavily about what you're doing. You're like puzzle solving yeah. on the quick. It has a Halo kind of feel. Like, you know how Halo has those big open arenas for most of its battles? Yes. Like, Doom 2016 has that kind of feel, but for Doom. Of, like, I need to actually think about how tactically I'm going to take this thing on. Yeah. Frank Ferder writes in and says, Good morning, Blessing and Imran. Doom Eternal previews have dropped, and so far, everything looks positive. If id Software is able to help Zenimax out of the hole that was Fallout 76 with a stellar Doom game, where do you think the pairing company will go with their next game? As much as I'm excited for Elder Scrolls 6, it still seems so far away. Will they fit, fit in something else before then? And if so, what? Thanks for all you do, Frank Ferder. First of all, I want to shout out that Starfield is coming out before Elder Scrolls 6 for sure, probably. Is that game still called Starfield? Yeah, I think they at their E3 where they announced it, it was Starfield still. Like it was rumored to be, I think, codenamed Starfield, but then it came out that okay, yeah, this yeah. game is actually called Starfield. And that was announced. It was announced in the same E3 press conference that they ended with Elder Scrolls Six. Would have been 2018. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which I feel like it's all but confirmed. Starfield is is coming before Elder Scrolls Six. Elder Scrolls yes, Six. No, they is actually said way that. Yeah. like further down the road so they're gonna have that and then they then i also want to shout out they have games like death loop if we're talking about zenimax overall as mm-hmm. like the publisher right they have death loop they have uh ghostwire tokyo like they have other games that they're also working on why well, I mean, speaking of companies lost in the woods bethesda seems really weird these days like they do dooms doom is great doom I, is great yeah but like, but I played Wolfenstein Youngblood, and that game was trash. Like, that game was not good compared to Wolfenstein 2, which was one of the best games of the generation. It's so disappointing, mm-hmm. too, because it's co-developed by... Uh, Arcane. Ar- Arcane mm-hmm. and... Uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the Wolfenstein developer. It. Uh, is that it? No, no, Machine Games. Machine, yeah, machine yeah, Games. Yeah. I, I, was, yeah. I was thinking of Doom um, for a second. And, like, I fucking love those two developers, and I love Arcane. Yeah. I love... Uh, I love... Um, why am I blanking on everything right now? Uh, <laughs> Arcane Machine, Dishonored. Dishonored, thank yes. you. Um, and I would have thought, like, oh, yeah, level design from Dishonored put into a, a Wolfenstein game? Let's do it. Work out and that well, it, turns well out. no, those weren't the problems. It was that they decided was, to add weird RPG elements where everybody's a fucking level, and it doesn't yeah, make yeah. sense. Yeah, it's and weird. It. Like, the level design was, like, it was a problem, but it, wasn't the, it was definitely not the biggest problem with that game. The biggest problem with that game is just that they had... No vision, like they wanted it to be a Destiny Borderlands game. Yeah, I think the first they... hour of that game where you're on the ship is really cool. Yeah, like when it's just a Wolfenstein game. Yeah, like that okay, first yeah, when it's just when, before really they cool. introduced like the like oh yeah, here are the different zones and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah like I playing it, then I was like, okay, this looks like it's gonna go in a, in a decent direction. Yeah. But the more and more you play it, the more, more and more you're like, oh, the story here is kind of half baked. Oh, did like, you finish it? I got to the I got to what would have been the last boss, and you know, did you play it? Yes. So you know how on the raid missions you are essentially like going through and you have like shared lives or whatever if you run out or if you die you have to go all the way back to the beginning um and before every boss you have to kill or before like the end of every level you have to like kill uh the people that like hold keys or whatever i got to that and i and we me and my co-op partner we killed the last person that was supposed to have the key so we can progress to the to the end of that last raid mission and the key dropped through the world and we weren't able to get it. <laughs> and so like we tried killing ourselves and it was like, since it's the shared life system, we had to, act, act, we had to completely one, game over. I we guess. had to completely game over it and start at the very beginning. And we were just like, no, we're not doing this. Let's just play, let's just play Tekken seven. Instead. Yeah. And so I never, I never finished. Did it you get that. to the, 
did you find BJ's? I guess what I'm getting at. You wouldn't know. I, did. I don't think I did. I like I got so, past the part where like there's a pivotal pivotal cutscene where there's like a twist that happens where you're like, oh yeah. So the yeah. the part where you find BJ's after that, I'm not gonna spoil it. Gotcha. But it's like it actually kind of pissed me off because it's such a cool thing and so incredibly important for the Wolfenstein story. Then I'm like, why did you put it in this game? Why oh, could yeah. this not have been in a better game? God, yeah, it's it's a bummer. But yeah, that's that's the type of thing that. I think kind of feeds into what Frank is talking about here, right? With Fallout 76 coming through and flopping. Then you have Wolfstein Youngblood coming mm-hmm. through and flopping. Um, and, like, I can't really... Those are really the only two examples I can really think of. I feel like there was a third example. I mean, but Ghostwire I does not seem to be going great. Like, they announced that yeah. game with Akumi Nakamura. And then, and like, then a month later... <laughs> then she like, left. Pieces out. I don't know. Like, she still has not completely explained what that was, but I'm guessing it was not, you know, a nice leaving. I'm guessing it was pretty acrimonious. Mm-hmm. But, like, we, Elder Scrolls, when Elder Scrolls 6 does come out, it's going to sell a bajillion copies across 50 systems. Yeah. And, like, Starfield, I imagine Starfield will be just, like, another core uh, uh, Bethesda Studios, uh, not JRPG, RPG. But if it, is it Fallout in Space again? Was that going to be enough to get people interested? And that's a good question. I, like, it's, it, it'll be enough for me because... I, I liked Fallout uh, 4. Like, I love the Fallout games. I love and it, 3. 4 did not do much for me. Any sort of, like, first-person RPG, like Bethesda, like, like Outer Worlds, I I I didn't love Outer Worlds, but mm-hmm. I liked it enough to where I beat it, and it's it scratched that itch so well for me. But uh, any sort of, like, first-person Bethesda RPG, I imagine it'll be enough to get me in. But, yeah, I mean, will it, will it um, set the world on fire is the question, and I don't... It depends on how, point, like, there's a, there's a certain, like, aspirational quality to space that I don't think a lot of games hit. Like, Mass Effect did this extremely well of making it feel like an actual, like, you know, the next big thing that humanity can do kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If they hit that tone, then I bet I, w- like, will be in love with that game. But if they, like, if it's just Elder Scrolls, but this time you're in a space colony, I'm like, mm. I'm not that interested yeah. in that. Well, we'll see because it's it's hard to judge. They've had yeah. not said anything about that game at this point. It is for sure a next generation game and not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I'm very interested interested in it. But Doom Eternal does seem to be like it's going to be the first win for Bethesda and Zenimax in a while. in a long time. Yeah, yeah, in at I, least like a year. They've, or so. they've had a weird couple of like they've had a weird generation and a half. Honestly, they used yeah. to be a publisher that would just do whatever. Like. I'm not saying Wet was a good game, but it was an interesting yeah, game. Yeah, Wet was interesting. Brink was a interesting. Weird, <laughs> weird, fun idea that did not pan out. Yeah. They they did a lot of experimental shit back yeah. in like the 360 generation. It's like, that's where Dishonor really came from. Yeah. And also Rage 2, I think, was another game I was thinking of. No one remembers Rage 2. Nobody remembers Rage 2, right? And it just came out last year. And that was the third game I was thinking of that didn't necessarily pan out. Like, Rage 2, from all, all intents and purposes, I think seemed like it was fine from reviews, but it definitely didn't. It's like hit. the biggest gulf between marketing and game I've ever seen. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Where, like, the marketing, you're like, oh, this is going to be, like, a crazy, like, Borderlands-y, like, kind of thing. And then you play it, and you're like, oh, this is a regular <laughs> open-world yeah. game. But, um, yeah, like, that Ra- Rage 2 didn't set the world on fire like I think people thought it would. Or people you, hoped. I, people hoped. Yeah. Like, like if, you, if you look at a game like Doom or a game like Wolfenstein 2, right, like, those games really, like, connected with people in a way that Rage 2 did not. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's been a weird, it's been a weird generation because you had, you had them coming into the generation with, um, like, Wolfstein 1 and um, uh, Fallout 4 and, you know, int- like, all right They've start. had more misses than hits this generation, I think. But they, they've also had Doom and Dishonored 2 and, uh, and uh, Wolfstein 2 and it's... Like the 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 wavering in quality from being like they're almost like platinum in a way where it's like you have good Bethesda published games and then you have like medium Bethesda published games and then you have Fallout seventy six like right. you kind of don't know what you're gonna get at a certain point except from individual studios like it's software you know you're you're gonna get a great game but even that said Arcane and Machine worked together on a game it came out it was yeah. mid it was not that great Tango GameWorks made Evil Within Evil was Within. not a good game that's what I was thinking about yeah but Evil Within two is fucking amazing is it really yes. You should really play that. If you like horror games, Evil Within 2 is honestly what... Hmm. It is... real spoopy. It's, like, honestly, I would put it not at RE4 quality in terms of, like, action horror games, but, like, up there. Hmm. I might try it. Yeah. I might give it a shot. I heard nobody talk about it when it came out. No, that's the thing. That's part of the problem is, like, their weird marketing is they had this amazing game 
the first time you heard about it was E3 in a CG trailer, and then they just didn't talk about it again until release. Interesting. But yeah, Evil Within was another one that came out toward the beginning of the generation that, like, if you look at Evil Within, Wolfenstein 1, uh, and I guess Lupin Fallout 4, even though Fallout 4 was probably, like a, I think it was like a year or so later. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, they didn't necessarily start off on the strongest foot, but it was a better foot than Wet and Brink, yeah. right? And so you look at them, you're like, oh, okay, these are some cool games that are coming out. And then, like, they step it up with Dishonored 2 and, and those other games, right? And you're like, oh, let's freaking go. And now they're just like, like, this last year and a half has been weird. And so you kind of don't know where you're going to get. Doom Eternal seems like it's going to be a, a, a good step. And then from there, like, I don't... I mean, it's kind it's, of the Ubisoft problem we're talking about. They play it so safe. But do they, though? They do. Like, they're mostly cut off Dishonored at this point, and Arcane just working. Like, what is... Do we really know what the... What was the game called? Time Looper? Deathloop. 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 Like, do we... We don't really know what that game is. We you, saw a really cool yeah. CG trailer. And they had... On the Deathloop website, they have a description of it that is like, okay, yeah, this is going to be essentially an immersive sim the way that Dishonored was. Mm-hmm. And so you have some sort of... I, you, you have some sort of idea, given who Arcane is, what that game is going to be. But, yeah, we've not really seen a gameplay trailer. But... That's that's one similar to Doom Eternal where I'm like that game has to be good, right? Yeah. That game can't come out and be bad, right? What did you say Deathloop? about that recently? You're like Death Stranding can't Death be Stranding bad, can't right? be yeah, okay. can't be bad, uh, and I was right. That yeah. game was excellent. Uh, okay, uh, yeah. From from what I gather, Deathloop is essentially just Dishonored but a new IP, which I think okay. is something that they need yeah. because like those systems and the way they build uh, level design and all that stuff is like fucking amazing. And it, it just like no one was ever like I don't think the mass audiences were ever really sold on Dishonored, which is which sucks because it's a really cool universe. So I think they just like kind of need to get away from that. Uh, yeah, so Dishonored definitely it. I think could use a break and then they yeah. come back to it later because like I yeah. feel like that's a game that people could get tired of kind of quickly. I, if but you I, keep I, I, going I back don't know if I don't know if they ever go back to it. To Dishonored, yeah. they will. They have to. Mm, people love Dishonored know. too much. For them to just like never if come back they to love it. Dishonored too, it would have sold well. <laughs> yeah, but like it, I, I've heard Death of the Outsiders a pretty definitive ending though, isn't it? Oh, is it? I just started it actually. I never, and I didn't I never really finished like. It. I started it and I was like, I'm not in the mood for this right now. <laughs> yeah. and I did go back to, but I feel like Dishonored too. I feel like it's kind of a Mirror's Edge situation where Mirror's Edge. I don't know if Mirror's Edge really sold like crazy. It, it did not. No. Yeah, no. but there's like there was enough love for Mirror's Edge that they made Catalyst, and Catalyst wasn't the greatest game. But and then yeah. that sold badly. Yeah. yeah, and that sold really. Yeah, but Dishonored Two was yeah. at least like a good game. Like Mirror's yes. Edge Catalyst was not great, and it sold bad. Dishonored Two is at least great. I'm actually Dishonor- way more interested in Deathloop now that I, you guys are telling me it's like Dishonored. Yeah, I don't, I don't no, Deathloop like, looks awesome. I don't like that you're comparing Dishonored Two to Mirror's Edge Catalyst because <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not comparing Catalyst. Mirror's Edge. You Catalyst. were though. I'm you comparing, were. I'm, no, I'm comparing Dishonored Two to Mirror's Edge One. Which is also which is an excellent right. game. Mirror's Edge One is great. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. But I'm saying like I could see them being like mid midway through next generation, being like people love Dishonored Two. Let's just make Dishonored Two, guys, and have it be something like that. EA is also know, a man. company that's lost in the woods. I think they've True. I think they've seen like they can't they don't know how to sell that franchise. Yeah, so that, I think they're just gonna move on. Yeah, I hope I, not, man. Oh. They'll come back to it. They, Dude, they it trust me, I it. want them to go back to it. I just don't think it's realistic. Number three, gameplay of PS5 launch title, Godfall, allegedly leaks online. I'm pulling this from Charlie Hall over at Polygon. A video allegedly showing early gameplay for Godfall, the upcoming third-person melee title from Counterplay and Gearbox Publishing, has leaked online. The original poster on Reddit has deleted the profile, but whatever, what, what appears to be a complete video of their clip quickly turned up elsewhere. Polygon has reached out to Gearbox to determine its authenticity. Announced during the Game Awards in December, Godfall is described as a looter slasher which features armored warriors with animalistic abilities. Built on the Unreal Engine 4, the game will be a PlayStation 5 console exclusive and also come to PC via the Epic Game Store. The leaked video shows flashy third-person melee action, but is free of any user interface elements. The developer, Counterplay, is an independent studio out of California whose previous previous works includes the hybrid collectible card game and tabletop strategy game called Duelist, released in 2016. The team includes industry veterans with experience working on Call of Duty, Destiny 2, and Diablo 3, among other titles. The game is expected to be available over the holidays, coinciding with the launch of the PS5. And... I feel like regularly would we would bring the, the footage up to show on the show, but since it's leaked footage, I don't want the YouTube version of the show to get taken down. And it's so, not hard to find. Yeah, it's like, not hard to find. Like, literally, I, I pulled this story from Polygon. I believe Polygon linked to it. And so you'll be able to find it if you want to find the leaked gameplay. But, yeah, it's some of the first PS5 gameplay footage that we get to see. And uh, I watched it. And, Ron, I think you watched it, yeah. too. 
Uh, it looks like it looks like an early PS5 game. <laughs> it looks like a PS4 game with a lot more effects going on. Yeah, and like that's what we expect of launch title. So I'm not like the game itself doesn't look super interesting, but that's fine. Like we don't know anything about yeah. it. Who, if it was part of the trailer, I think we would have been like losing our minds when we saw it the first time. Yeah, I my thing is I think it looks fun with the idea of multiplayer and it being a quote looter slasher in mind like i look Which at the is, ga- that's such a bullshit term it's like, a weird term you, but you understand what they mean when they no, say that they, like they, they don't want to say diablo like that's what's happening yeah and they don't like and they want to they want to analogize it is that borderlands yeah yeah they want to analogize it to something like yeah borderlands or destiny right but make it clear that you're not shooting in it it's swords not guns it's swords not guns and you know if you looking at the gameplay just looking at it as a game you're like all right this is whatever like it doesn't look bad, but it doesn't look like anything interesting. It looks like the kind of game you expected to launch for a system. Yeah, I was like, oh, but cool. for me, with with the idea that like, oh wait, okay, I'm gonna be playing this game, but I'm also gonna be like collecting loot and playing with my friends. That I feel like that kind of uplifted it for me. I was like, oh, I could see some fun in this. So here's the thing. Here's what I love about launches for system or for new systems mm. is that launches suck ass because there's no like games. But that means you're finding these really interesting things you would never play otherwise. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I played a lot of Warframe because of that. Like, I found one of my favorite games of all time, uh, Ostatake Oendon for the DS. Okay, because there was nothing else, and like, I need a game. I'm just gonna import this weird Japanese rhythm game. Yeah, I fucking love that game. But because there was nothing else to play, that's why I first started playing it. Yeah, so I love getting it on launch for those reasons. Yeah, I think I played a game called Planet Side Two near i don't know if it was at launch but it was like it was like a year after launch i was playing it was like a free-to-play uh like big old uh first person shooter that i i played i still don't understand what the rules of that game were i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> all i knew is that i was shooting stuff and i was like it's fun enough and it's free because there was nothing else to play but uh yeah godfall looks like it's gonna be a video game yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> number four Sega will announce Sonic news on the 20th of every month in 2020. <laughs> this is by James O'Connor over at GameSpot. It's the year of dreams, Barrett. It's, Sonic is happening every month on the 20th of every month. It's the year of blessings dreams. It's the year of my dreams for sure. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog is gearing up for a big 2020. Sega has announced, according to the translations from Gmatsu, the Sonic 2020 project, which will, which will see new Sonic news being announced on the 20th of every month this year. The, thir- the first announcement is a bit of a cheat, as the Sonic 2020 project itself is January Sonic, oh, <laughs> January Sonic news. <laughs> February is already going to be a big month for the blue, br- blue blur, with the Sonic the Hedgehog movie finally arriving in cinemas on February 14th. I don't know why we're talking about the Sonic movie right now in this article. Why are we never, like, we should always be talking about the Sonic movie. I mean, fair. Sega has celebrated by releasing various wallpapers, banners, and icon icons based on Sonic, including a Twitter header image for fans to use it's not yet clear what sort of news we'll see each month and whether we'll see any new games being announced i find that hilarious because up until today my twitter banner was a sonic image i think I had, mine is too actually is it really? i had a so I added like a add baby sonic as the header image until uh, a best friend who i i man i wish i actually i could probably probably find it. a best friend did a tweet thread of all the empty sets for kind of funny and so, like, they tweeted that because aesthetically actually looks really cool. Yeah. His, uh, their Twitter is at Arvel underscore Crynide. That's, that's A-R-V-E-L underscore C-R-Y-N-Y-D, right? They tweeted that thread, and then I took the PSLW set and set that as my current banner. But, yeah, I had the I had, I had a Sonic banner <laughs> as my banner for a I mean, I'll, I'll just say this. Time. It was a much be- better banner choice, your new one. How dare you? One. Baby Sonic? Sonic has Can't one good game. Sonic might has might at least two, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Sonic Mania, and it's that is it. Sonic Mania and Sonic 2. And Sonic 3 was good. And Sonic 1. I like Sonic 3. Sonic, Sonic 3 and Knuckles is a powerful combo. The first Sonic the Hedgehog was revolutionary. Green Hill Zone is great. It, it, I would go. I would Sonic say the first Colors Sonic is, is not a great game. Sonic Wait, Colors, one? Like, Sonic 1, I would say is not a great game. Oh, how dare you! It's it set a lot of tone or set a lot of foundations for and had like really cool physics stuff. Not really that fun to play. This is just, this is wrong. This I mean, is wrong. If, <laughs> if you went back to Mario World today, I think you would have a great time. If you went back to Sonic One, you would probably have much less of a good time. Here's the thing: I go back to Sonic One all the time, but so I can't really make that call because it's it's already ingrained in my brain. Uh-huh. But I don't know, man. 
I mean, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make the claim that it aged as well as Mario World. Like Mario World, obviously, like the better game. Yeah. But I, will, I will say, like color generations. Yeah, like, colors generations, great games. I really forces like, is hot garbage. Forces is bad. Uh, Sonic Heroes, I like, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really like put a flag in the ground to be like, all right, guys, for or, uh, Heroes is the greatest <laughs> game of all time. Also, Sonic Unleashed was half good. Half great even actually. Sonic Unleashed was half great. And like the the Werehog levels in Sonic uh, Sonic Unleashed weren't that bad. They were pretty bad. They weren't that bad. They though. were pretty bad. I would recommend to you that there's a PC mod for generations. Mm. They just ported over all the Sonic Unleashed daytime levels to that. So like there's no Werehog at all. You just play through those levels. Interesting. Cool. I might have to check that out. <laughs> Number 5, we have breaking news. Xbox Project xCloud adds Destiny 2, Halo Master Chief Collection, and more titles. Microsoft has expanded its lineup of Xbox One titles available under the X, under the Project xCloud preview, seemingly welcoming over a dozen new games to its streaming library. The ongoing invite-only test serves full-fledged Xbox One gaming over the cloud to mobile devices, now adding Destiny 2, Sid Meier's Civilization 6, various Telltale games, published titles, among other existing Xbox hits. Other editions, Halo, The Master Chief Collection, Destiny 2, Sid Meier's Civilization 6, Batman, The Enemy Within, The Complete Season, Batman, The Telltale Series, The Complete Season, The Wolf Among Us, Wasteland 2, Director's Cut, The Surge, Super Hot, Portal Knights, Goner, Blueberry Edition, Kingdom, Kingdom Two Crowns, Sparklight, which I think I demoed at a PAX once and it was all right, uh, Tracks, The Train Set Game, <laughs> 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 and Train Sim World 2019. I think Greg added this story. And so I hadn't read it yet. And so The Train Set Game caught me very off guard. Just tracks, <laughs> hyphen, The tracks, Train Set Game. The Train Set Game. Xbox Project xCloud previews now live in the US, UK, and Korea, while Xbox console streaming, leveraging at-home Xbox hardware, is now available in all Xbox-supported countries. Microsoft has detailed plans to expand Project xCloud to Canada, India, Japan, and Western Europe on track for later in 2020. Now, Imran Khan. I'm excited to see what games beyond these games come out for Project xCloud. But the announcement of more xCloud games is so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to the mom and grop shops today, where do I go? The official list of upcoming software requests. Each and every platform is listed by the kind of funny games that we show host each and every weekday. do 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 yeah. Before I get to out today, I'm going to read the ads since we're late in the show. This show, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Manscaped. Introduction support for Kind of Funny Games Daily comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. It's 2020, and you know what that means. New year, new me, new balls. Men, listen up. Harry Bushes, wow, Harry Bushes are so 2019, which I don't even know if they were 2019. If you're going to pick any New Year's resolution this year, let it be to take care of your junk. Manscaped is making it easy with their grooming products. Greg and Tim used Manscaped, Manscaped, and two out of two ladies surveyed like that. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. And don't use the same trimmer on your face on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just dirty fellas please don't manscaped also has the crop preserver an anti-chafing ball deodorant and most most moisturizer you already put deodorant on your armpits why not why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code games at manscaped.com start the new year off right off the right way by using the best tools for the job your balls will thank you uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code GAMES at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code GAMES. Next, we're brought to you by Riot. New year, new you, right? Well, it's also time to change for the for the L- LCS North America's official League of Legends professional league. The 2020 season kicks off Saturday, January 25th at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern on watch.com. LOLesports.com and there's never a and there's never been a better time to become an LCS fan. You may be wondering, if I've never watched, will I have an idea of what's going on? Don't worry, LCS LCS hosts and casters will make sure you can follow all of the action. This will be an exciting start as the latest game update, Rise of the Elements, introduces permanent map and buff changes for the players to deal with. 
Plus, there's a there's truly a team for anyone to root for. Maybe you want to see a classic team, a classic like TSM rise again. Join Team Liquid to see if they can secure yet another championship title or lean into your darker desires with one of the newest teams, Evil Geniuses. <laughs> so are you ready for some league? Good, because there's, there's even more this season to enjoy with Monday Night League joining the schedule. Catch the games saturday at 2 p.m pacific sundays at noon pacific and monday night league at 5 30 p.m pacific on watch.lolesports.com twitch or youtube that's watch.lolesports.com twitch.tv slash lcs or youtube.com slash lolesports for saturday sunday and monday night league action thanks lcs lastly we're brought to you by Raid. Introducing Raid Shadow Legends. Raid is a mobile game, mobile RPG done right. Not every RPG game must be cartoony or and cutesy. Enough with candy, rainbows, unicorns, and bright colors. Get real, raw, dark, epic, and awesome. Raid Shadow Legends will take you to the world of dark fantasy and realism. And now you can play Raid both on mobile and on your desktop. The game is cross device. The game is cross device, so you can play with the same user and switch between devices whenever you want and however you want. Raid has all the features you'd expect from a brand new RPG title, an amazing storyline, awesome 3D graphics, giant boss fights, PvP battles, and hundreds of champions to collect and customize. But I never expected to get this level of performance out of a mobile game. And in Raid, you have the ability to personally customize and choose the artifacts and design unique a unique mastery build for each one of them. And the best part is free to play. The invitation to download the game is game more than the invitation to download the game more than 15 million players worldwide worldwide have already downloaded the game. And the best part it is free to play. <laughs> I think this is right, written in twice. So go and click the link in the description description box and start playing. Clicking on this link will not just enjoy one of the best mobile games of the moment, but you'll also be supporting this podcast. So what are you waiting for? Download Raid via my links. That's, let's see, patron.me. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot me slash kind of funny games raid, which will... Uh, which you will also find below in the description and get a special package with 100,000 silver, two clan boss keys, 10 times mystery shards, and the amazing champion, Adjudicator. This package will, will be available for the next 30 days. <laughs> now it's time for out today. Bro, I am sweating. There are a lot of words. <laughs> a lot of words in there. Do you want me to read out today while you do? <laughs> uh, you sure. Just, like, get some water? Yeah, do out today. I'll, I'll pick up at New Days. All right. Out today, Temtem, that Pokemon-like MMORPG, is out on PC. Psycho, Shooting Stars Alpha, is out on Switch. Lumini is out on PS4. Ember is out on Switch. Caveman Chuck is out on Switch. Deer Simulator, your average everyday deer game, is out on PC. Great Utopia is out on PC and Mac. Caveman the Game is out on PC. Super Kickers League is out on PC. Neverwinter Infernal Descent is now available on PC and will launch on Xbox One and PS4 on February 25th. Jump Lord is out on PC. Killer Queen Black, the strategic eight-player arcade game platformer from Liquid Bit and Bubble Bear Games, adds much-requested full-player eight or full eight-player local multiplayer on Nintendo Switch and Steam, as well as new features and quality of life changes in today's update. Update 1.60 includes eight-player local support for PC and console, region selection on Switch, custom online and local matches can be started by single player, bots can fill out local and custom matches, teams in local and custom matches can be automatically shuffled, streamer mode, choose which... Choose which names to display in-game and in menus. Map pools now skew towards more variety and fewer repeats. Various bug fixes and UI improvements. Taurus VR is now available on Steam Early Access. And Mutazone, I think is how you pronounce that, adds new garden mode along with six additional languages. Awesome. New dates. PS4-exclusive classic survival horror Dawn of Fear releases on February 3rd. To celebrate, Killer... Killer Queen Black is currently on sale for $9.99 on the Nintendo eShop and Steam. Uh, what are they celebrating? They just say to, to celebrate. Uh, see, Rogue, <laughs> Rogue Platformer, mm. Scourgebringer. <laughs> Greg is the one that added, added these to the docs. I just want to say that for the people listening. Uh, Rogue Platformer, Scourgebringer hits Steam Early Access February 6th. I'm just saying, you don't need a, like, a thing to celebrate. Just, uh, it's fun to celebrate, <laughs> just, just to celebrate We're just life. fucking celebrating. We're on sale. Dude. Just celebrating. Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme versus Max Boost on has been announced and is coming in 2020. 
Those, that games are huge. Like now, the, uh, before we move on to deals of the day, yes. Um, oh yeah, what's the, what's this that you brought up? So Barry? I brought up Caveman the game because okay, it's so God. interesting. Because in my mind, I was like Caveman the game. I wonder if this is like what in my mind Conan the game Conan uh, Exiles. Uh, yeah, Conan yeah. Exiles is. And boy, was I fucking wrong. <laughs> uh, really? So here is Caveman the game. Since the beginning of time, man has. Fat? Oh wow, this looks like. This looks wow, whoa. This is this oh, a Geico it gets, commercial? It gets, like, it gets crazy. This looks guys. like the most cheapest. Like this most looks like the cheapest cartoon. This is animation. like the French cartoons Nickelodeon would air, like really early in the morning. This, this feels like a rip-off Lucasfilm or Lucas Arts game. This looks in like the, the like the early stages concept art for Dave the Barbarian. <laughs> I don't know why you did this, but I have skills that would be that. That was Liam Neeson's famous line. Oh yeah, 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 I have some skills for you. <laughs> Oh wow! Was this a game? <laughs> you don't return. I will look, look for you. Like what? What is the gameplay? Is this the gameplay? I, yeah, I, I think, think so. Finally, the Joe and Max test are I will find you and I will punish you. The red dinosaur on the red background is a good choice. Say what you say what you will about Take the art back. style of this game. The textures here are clean. That's what I'll, that's what I'll say. Caveman you know? the game. You know how Cuphead just looked like an actual cartoon? Caveman the game. I can tell what was gameplay, what was cutscene. By the way, Barrett, I dropped a thing in the Slack that we wanted to look at. Uh, yeah, just... Deal of the day. Gilly Brums writes in and says, What up, Blessing and Imran? Today's deal, today's deal roundup is a doozy. Microsoft's weekly Xbox Gold deals have some killer discounts. I encourage everybody waiting on a specific game to go on sale waiting for a specific game to go on sale to check out the Xbox store, but I've rounded up a few highlights I'm listing here. Red Dead 2 is 50% off at $29.99, and these are dollars. AC Odyssey is down 75% at $14.99. The entirety of Dark Souls series is 50% off or more. Monster Hunter's new expansion, Iceborne, is $10 off, and you can secure some more recent releases like Control and Code Vein at around $20 off. There are tons more that I'm not going to list, but... Lots of great deals in the Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, Tomb Raider, Lego, and Dragon Ball series, alongside some other Ubisoft, Square Enix, and indie discounts. Quite a few under $5, too. Amazing, or not amazing, Amazon is, is matching a few, other, a few of these deals. So if you're like me and have some Amazon credit, check there first. Have a great week, best friends, Gilly Brums. Thank you, Gilly Brums. Also, I want to shout out, all Half-Life games are free to play until April 1st on Steam. Which I might be taking advantage of because that sounds awesome. I want to play me some Half Life Two, Half Life Episode One, Episode Two, Half Life One. You know? I feel like you're just making shit up now. Half Life, Half Life <laughs> Two colon Episode One, Half Life Two Point Eight, Half Life Birth by Sleep. <laughs> I want to play all these games. Also, the fragmentary also, passage of Gordon Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, uh, Dishonored Two is thirteen ninety nine on PSN until February fifth. Uh, and uh, do we want to take a look at what you select, Barrett, or what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa! So the the remake of Mewtwo Strikes Back, the first Pokemon movie, is coming through, or releasing through Netflix next month. Let's be go! That's awesome. And they have a trailer for it if we want to watch that. Okay. Oh shit. Okay. That looks awesome. All right. All right. right. I've been told it looks weird. Do we now? This won't get us in trouble. Okay. I'm. I'm right. I have two questions. This Mm -hmm. might get us in trouble. And two, do we want to save this for a trailer reaction? Oh, that's a good point. Mm. We might want to save this for a trailer reaction. Okay. Yeah. Let's save it for a trailer react then. Now let's get into reader mail. Of course, you can write in to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames at the bronze level if you want your reader mail read on the show. Uh, Panks writes in and says, hey, Blaskin Imran, this weekend in Chicago is the Near near Orchestra concert. I'm going. Are you going? Yep. Awesome. Uh. Mm -hmm. You might run into Panks because Panks says, I'm going and I can't wait. I can't help but wonder, though. Square Enix recently created a 10th anniversary website for the series, implying that implying that something will be happening to mark the occasion this year. Since Yoko Taro has been confirmed to be at the show, what do you think the, cha- the chances are that his next game gets announced there this weekend? If not that, then what about something else, like a remaster of the original Nier or a Switch port of Nier Automata? I know you both mentioned being huge Nier stands, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Imran Khan. What do you think are the chances of something near related being announced at this near concert? It might be hinted at. I don't think they ever announced anything because that just doesn't jive with their marketing plans. There are some theories currently going around that Babylon's Fall is actually just a secretly a near Dragon Guard game. Wait, really? Yeah. So 
well, there's nothing really going based on what you've what we've seen so far in the trailer. Uh-huh. But the near account on Facebook and Twitter has retweeted every like thing about that game so far. Interesting. And last time I talked to Yokotaro, he said he wanted he he wanted to have the sequel to Near Automata out by the 10th anniversary of Near, which is this year. Interesting. So that would fit. I he, can't imagine that game turning out like i could see maybe being in the same universe but yeah. i couldn't imagine them being like you know like uh pulling back the curtain being like oh it's near babylon's fall is what the full title is or something or, or, like that'd be crazy because or near automata was really just called like near sequel like yeah. when they first revealed it and the way that game's universe is set up is they can do whatever the fuck they want at this point because dragon guard 3 set it up so there's multiple universes Everything's yeah. literally every possibility of everything is happening. Yeah. At once. So, like for people who are unfamiliar, Near Automata is a sequel to a specific ending of the first Near, right? N- it's it's or, a little more complicated. Like, okay. so Dragon Guard One had a joke ending, or not a joke ending, but a very a more convoluted ending where mm-hmm. the main characters who were in a fantasy world ended up going to modern day Tokyo and defeating a monster there, and then got shot down by the Air Force. Uh-huh. Near picks up after that of. Turns out bringing a monster from a fantasy world to get destroyed in modern day fucks everything up with a real bad sickness. Uh-huh. So that sort of causes the end of the world. And so Nier is basically based on the ending of Drakengard 1. Yeah. The Nier Automata is set 10,000 years after Nier 1. So it all uh-huh. like it has basically almost no relation up until like the last like hour of the game. Uh-huh. But it's not based on any specific ending per se. Because like the the final, final ending of Near One is a more like final. It's hard to say what's canon for Near and what's not, honestly. Yeah. But and Dragon Guard Three further complicates that by making it so there are time travelers and universe travelers, and it's all very complicated. Yeah, I, I mean, having played because I've only played Near Automata, mm-hmm. and I really like Near Automata. I really in- enjoyed that game, but I couldn't, I could definitely not explain to you everything that went on, went on in that game. I'm, I'm, I'm writing a book about it, and I could not explain to you what's going on. You're writing a book about it? That's I'm awesome. writing a book about Yoko Taro specifically. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, dude. Like, it's... Nier seems, as from playing just Nier Automata, seems like a very complicated universe. Like, it's like almost... It's Metal Gear Solid-ish, but more, like... It's not like Metal Gear Solid. By the time you get to four, it, Metal Gear Solid does like a lot of um, like retroactively changing the lore. Near seems like more so. It's from the ground up. It's meant to be weird and and wacky and. Well, it's also very cerebral. Disparate. It's like yeah. to get the full story of Automata, you need to have watched a stage play, two stage plays at this point, because there's what? a second one now, and God. it was only like shown in Japan. So like I've seen like a subtitle version. That people mm. put on YouTube, and that's, but also like they kind of hinted that stage play within the game in the form of like a text. It's a weird thing, but interesting. Like they they put all this stuff in books and all these things. I I asked Yokotaro about it once, and he was like, "Yeah, you don't need to know the whole story. It's fine if you don't like just play mm. the games if you just want to play the games." Yeah, but that's not the way gaming industry works, and that's not the way fandom works. When do you think we see an like? Taking Babylon's Fall out of the equation, if it if it turns out Babylon's Fall is not a, a new near game, mm-hmm. when do you think we see a new near game? It might be a while because, like, the director of Near Tom, the gameplay director, I want to say his name is Yosuke Saito. No, not Saito. Uh, I'm totally blanking on his name, mm. but he was working on Astral. He directed Astral Chain. Yes. So it's probably like I imagine he was not co-directing Near at the same time. So. It could be the sequel they've been working on within Square Enix instead of with Platinum. It could be that they just started on it recently. So who knows? But Interesting. they did say they wanted something over the 10th anniversary. That could be like Platinum. The, originally, when Platinum approached Square Enix about a new Nier game, they were like, hey, why don't, why don't we port Nier 1 to Vita? Mm-hmm. And Square Enix is like, no, let's just do a sequel instead. So that's how they started on that game. They could just port Nier to Switch. They could make a remake with a more modern system because that game definitely has some problems. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's one of my favorite games of all time. It had some problems. Interesting. Oh, man, I'm excited. I mean, I I wish I could go to that near concert. That sounds like yeah. a good time. I bought tickets immediately because, dude, Near Automata has maybe one of the best soundtracks ever made. Yes, if not, 
I don't want to say the best soundtrack ever made, but it's in contention. Yes. Like that soundtrack is really good. I, if you've never played near near one soundtrack is also up there. It's really, what, it's I would say it's a better soundtrack than Automata, but it's gonna vary depending on the person. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Now let's get into Squad Up. Greg from Edmonton writes in and says, I recently picked up The Division 2 on PC for $6, uh, Canadian dollars, uh, thanks to the amazing Epic Game Store sale over the holidays. I got to five. I got to five fifty on the PS4, but eventually stopped because of a lack of people to play with. And I'm guessing five fifty is like the, the power level, but power level is a Destiny thing. So like that, their, their version, I don't know. I'm wondering if any KFBFs out there are still playing on PC. I sent an invite to what looks to be the main KF clan on PC, but I've yet to get accepted or declined. Greg's Uplay, this is Greg and Greg from Edmonton. His Uplay is op, Opteryx underscore 73. That is spelled O-P-T-E-R-I-X underscore seven three. So if you want to hit up Greg, if you're playing Division 2 on PC, do that. Now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong to see what we've got wrong today. Let's see. Let's see here. Takahisa Tora. That was the name I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah. Because I was looking up Yosuke Saito. and, and they He's a producer a, on yeah, the they game. Yeah. He has producer credits. Yeah. Uh, let's see. People wrote in about the Xbox X Cloud stuff. A lot of this is just updates. To covered news. Godfall update. Oh wait, what is this Godfall update? Uh, they said that's gear old PC footage. Gear old PC fo- footage, which I think lines up. Yeah, honestly, it, lo- it doesn't look like anywhere near a complete game in that. Yeah, but also I suspect that's trailer. just how next generation and launch games are going to look. They're going to look like current generation games with more effects yeah which is like again that's totally fine yeah that's, that's, that's the way it's always out. been yeah uh let's see mr jasmine writes in about the pokemon trailer which we saw well we're gonna see but we, we saw the news during the final fantasy distant worlds concert they showed a quick clip of final fantasy 7 remake footage so announcements or looks at new things during an, uh, the near con- concert is possible. It's definitely possible. It's from the nanobiologist. There was a Zelda concert once where Alanoba came out and like teased Skyward Sword HD, but then that never happened. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird. On I, the lines of yeah. Ubisoft, the latest Skull and Bones has been in development hell and is constantly getting... Del- they haven't really been announcing... Skull and Bones delay. I don't remember them ever saying officially that Skull and Bones is delayed. At a couple of financial calls, they've been like, "Yeah, Skull and Bones is not coming yeah. out this year." The creative director left last year. Usually, when a creative director leaves, that game is on fire or mm-hmm. is being massively changed somehow. Gotcha. So I get the feeling the Skull and Bones that exists now is probably not the same thing yeah. we saw. Like, I, like I feel like the assumption is definitely there that internally it's been delayed because they just haven't talked about it really yeah. in the last year or so. I, I mean, it's definitely been delayed because I think it was a, like they didn't have a date, but it was definitely no. intended for a more recent financial year than this one. Yeah, 100%. And that was from Nanobiologist, so thank you. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash Games. We run you through the, through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash Games. so stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, It's been our pleasure to serve.